0: Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast episode. This is an extra special episode of all it's quacked up to be because we're taking time to reflect on and celebrate a very important holiday, Black History Month. Kimberly Reed, our customer support manager at Line Leader, will be hosting and she's joined by Veronica Williams, professional services specialist, Colin Myers, junior front end developer, and Asia Jerome, marketing coordinator. There's a lot to discuss today, so let's dive right in.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Black History Month conversations
2: uh,
1: around Black History Month. Mm-hmm. How are you guys doing today?
2: I'm doing good. good. How are you? i are you? Really Good.
1: good. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Thank you for joining my line leader co-workers here. So let's just dive right into it. This happens to be one of my favorite months, a month that... Uh, is near and dear to me, as I'm sure it is to you, because you volunteered to be a part of this discussion. Uh, so today we'll, we'll talk about a couple of different topics, mainly around education, but all around Black History Month. So I'll just you know kind of give my uh, opinion, but I don't want to dominate the conversation. I'll uh, kind of go around the room and see uh, your input on this, uh, these questions, and just feel free to kind of uh, talk about uh, your thoughts, your ideas. Uh, even if we go off script a little bit, always interested in everybody's story. So um, the first one uh, I want to know is, what does Black History Month mean to you? What does it represent to you? And I think I'll, I'll just start out with you, Colin.
3: Yeah, For. For me, I think um, it's it's one of those things where I, I'm. it's a big month because it's super important. And I think the biggest thing to me what Black History Month means is like educating others on the history of like Black people, whether that's through like movies or music or anything. But for me, like the biggest thing I like to take out of it is like education and like how to educate. It's a month where we, everyone, we can like educate others on our history.
1: And, you know, sometimes just in general conversation, people can learn things. So it may not be, you know, really specifically going out to educate, but just in just your daily conversations, you don't know how much people are listening or that they um, catch up uh, onto. So um, maybe not direct education, but you've probably said something to educate or enlighten someone. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll skip to um, Veronica. Veronica, what does it mean to you, Black History Month?
2: Um, Black History Month means a lot to me, especially since I just had a baby boy. So it definitely is a little bit more intense now than it, what it was um, a year before. Um, for me, just like how Colin said, it is about education. And it's also just about... Um, really grasping like the heaviness and the history of Black Americans, and just realizing for me that our people were like held hostage for 300 years on the land that we like live on day to day, and that we had to fight for us just to have our freedom, and we continue fighting for us just to have like the equal piece of the pie. And it's like the month where we can say out loud and I feel like without judgment that those things did happen and they directly affect our lives today versus I feel like every other month it's kind of like we're just trucking along and living life and we're not truly acknowledging the hardships that we had to overcome and still the things that we face today. So it's a lot.
1: I love that. And uh, just off script for a second, do you believe it's very important for us to say to people, don't forget? Uh, We can't forget.
2: Yeah. I mean, people, you know, definitely say, like, it was so long ago. And my husband, Jordan's dad, just passed away. Um, He was born in 1924. And he had to go, like, he couldn't go to college at a normal college. He had to go to HBCU because, of course, he couldn't attend just a normal college, normal, predominantly white college institution.
1: Absolutely. Sometimes people do have that thought or that feeling of, hey, this has been so long ago, you should just kind of get over it. So you make some very good points, Veronica, about keeping it relevant, you know? Asia, last but not least on that question, what does Black history mean to
2: you?
4: Um, Yeah, so like everyone said, of course, I feel like Black History Month is about education. And I do think it is about acknowledging, you know, like what happened in the past, but also bringing new information to light. Because if we think about like when we were back in school, I feel like personally, when I was in school, they would always like teach when they taught Black history. It was about like slavery and things like that. But it's like Black history is so much deeper than that. Like black people have roots in a lot of inventions and a lot of everyday things that you know we do and what we use and stuff. And I, you mentioned like saying, um, "Don't forget" or like you know remember this. And I think that is important to say, um, just because people do try to make it seem like it was something like issues going on with black people happened so long ago, but it's actually more current than we think. And kind of like to put a reference on it. Um, Ruby Bridges, she was the first black girl to um integrate a white school. And um she's I she's a very I'm pretty sure we're gonna talk about this, but she's an important figure to me because it kind of puts into perspective how recent this is, because she is well and still alive. She's in her 60s. And you know, she was just a like a five-year-old little girl going into school, and she had grown people like protesting against her getting upset with her she had to walk in with like guards because there were people speaking Mm. at her and things like that so it just puts perspective like how recent this is how people are still dealing with this and like even with with Ruby Bridges she's only 64 so those people that were spitting on her protesting against her they're still alive a lot of them could still be alive, um, so yeah, yeah. So, Black History Month to me is like acknowledging the bad stuff that happened, but also acknowledging the good stuff and the strides that we've made in our society, and then also acknowledging sure. like what's going on now because we're still going through an era where we're still saying the black, the first black woman to do this, the first black man to do this, and it's 2020, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I totally
1: agree with all of that. I mean, you you make some great points and it it just makes my heart leap with joy when I see a younger generation kind of embracing the history, but understanding that the ball is still rolling. So Asia, you did jump ahead. It's almost like you knew my agenda because the next thing that I really wanted to hear from you guys is who uh, is a, a looming figure for you and it's hard to choose one. Actually, when you said Ruby Bridges, I'm thinking, oh God, I should have chosen her. But who do you see as being on the forefront of that battle for representing um, the struggle and the victories and the victories yet to come when it comes to um, Black history? So you talked about um, Ruby Bridges. Veronica, did do, someone come to mind for you?
2: Um, yeah, it's hard to choose one. Like you said, I have probably two, um, one's going to be James Baldwin to represent the past and just James mm. Baldwin, Baldwin because um, at that point it was, you need to wait for progress to happen. And James Baldwin was like, change needs to happen today. If any change is going to happen, it needs to happen today. And he refused oh, wow. Yeah, to
1: do- <laughs> One yeah. of my
2: favorites, yes. Yeah to sit and just let the status quo be as it was and not take action and um, I think he's kind of known but people don't know him as much because you have like Malcolm X's um, autobiography of X and like his autobiography is amazing too because he also was um, um, a gay male. So James Baldwin, Gay yes. Mel, that he brought not only gay rights and um, racism and to the forefront. He also fought for rights that he wasn't inc- included on. Like he fought for all rights for all people, even though he was not part of those demographics. Then my new oh, one, wow. um, I guess you guys would probably know her name, um, Stacey Abrams. She is definitely one because like. <laughs> What Aja was saying is that those are the things that we still fight for today. Um, Just looking at civil rights um, acts that are looking to be um, overturned that have been in place since the 60s and just making it harder for black people to vote, any person of color, anyone that um, is oppressed and putting those laws that a lot of them have been deemed unconstitutional, um, moving those forward. And Stacey dedicated years, you know, and still is doing what she needs to do or what we should do um, to making sure that everyone vote is, is counted um, yeah. in that. I moment. love it.
1: I love both of those, some very powerful figures. Very much so, um, I could spend an entire book session on James Baldwin, but we want to get Collins' person in here and uh, kind of see what his thoughts are on someone that you see as a prolific um, figure for black history.
3: yeah not just this
1: month, just period, yes.
3: yeah for me, I think my perspective is probably a little bit different, so for me, like the biggest one I would say was Jackie Robinson. And I think that's, like, I I played sports growing up, and I played hockey, so it was kind of similar to Jackie Robinson in a way, where it was, like, I think for me, what he did showed that, like, you don't have to, like, look like everyone else to, like, do something. And, like, he did something where it felt like people like him shouldn't be there. And for me, like, even just growing up playing hockey, that kind of, like, resonated with me. And that's why I picked him and I think like what's what was also cool about what he did was like yeah he like him starting to play baseball or in the MLB was like like only about sports, but it ended up turning into like have impact on things like outside of the sport itself. So I think it was really cool how like him just like doing what he loved and playing a sport impacted like society as a whole.
1: You're absolutely right. Obviously, uh, a lot of uh, this generation probably wasn't even uh, aware of Jackie Robinson until, you know, Chadwick did the movie 42. It's it's a powerful movie where he portrayed Jackie Robinson. But you're right. It not only impacted MLB, it impacted uh, the politics around it. So, you know, I struggled for finding one one person because there's a movement, right? (laughs) And that includes people that are in the forefront like Dr. King, of course, the one that everybody knows, the Malcolm Xs, they're out front. But so many people forget those that were on the front line of the struggle, those that got the water hose or got sicked on by the dogs or those that walked when there was a boycott Insama, for you know, for the bus, so everybody knows Rosa Parks, but what about all the other people that said, No, we're going to stand up and we're not going to take the bus until we can sit up front? So, I think my heroes obviously are the known ones, but are those uh, unsung heroes uh, that nobody will ever know their name, will ever know their name. So, I, I think about those people and the gratitude that I have for them. But uh, Asia, I do want to touch real quickly on something you said about just nobody knows the inventions. I, I was a, a, a museum, um, guy. I, I think uh, Veronica may have heard me say this before, but I uh, worked at the Harriet Tubman museum. She's one of my sheroes, but at the Harriet Tubman museum. And part of that museum, the black history museum in, uh, Making Georgia just outside of Atlanta, but uh, there is a whole area where there's black inventions. And I'm, you know, sad to say, I didn't even know half the things that we should have credit for. Everybody grew up, at least in my generation, with George Washington Carver. <laughs> you know, that was it. But I had no idea there was a black man created the stoplight, the ice cream scoop, the uh, Yeah, that, that kind of thing. The pencil sharpener. Well, back in my day, you went up front and sharpened your pencils, but huge things like that. A whole room full of inventions that nobody um, would ever know to be attributed to the black culture. So I wish I could take that one exhibit and just put it in every uh, elementary school. Speaking of which, let's get into education, which, you know, Martin Luther King uh, said education is the key. You know, he was nonviolent, uh, but his whole premise was uh, to be educated was to give us equal playing field, or, or it should. Um, and, and, you know, the whole idea, one of the, the questions that we had, dark uh, with a statistic that was given to me and one that I didn't know. And that was if if one if during elementary school, a black child had at least one black teacher, they are 13 percent more likely to go to college. And if they had at least two black teachers, (laughs) they that almost triples the chance for them to go to college. Blew my mind. It's Like, wow. So my story uh, with that and want your thoughts about that and why that might be the case. But I can tell you my story because I'm from a generation and, uh, you know, we try to look good. But I'm from a generation where there was when you lived in a black neighborhood, you went to a black school. And when I say a black school, I mean, it was a black principal and all black teachers. So that was all I knew. Growing up, you know, from first through like third grade, it was like, OK, <laughs> that was normal for me. But I remember so vividly to this day the inspiration that I got from seeing someone who looks like me standing in front of me, teaching me, inspiring me. I, I gave her credit before she passed uh, a year or two ago. But my first grade teacher, she led me to believe that I could be anything in this world I wanted to be. <laughs> she she said that I would look. I sound like the hell. I was smart. I was pretty. I was important. You know. So she said all those things to me, and honestly, to this day, um, well, most of those things uh, I still very much uh, embraced and went on. Obviously, to college and those kind of things. But what do you think about those statistics and why do you think it matters having a black teacher? And I'll, I'll start with you, Colin.
3: Yeah, that's that's interesting because I think that's something that's really important. But I honestly, I don't think I ever had a black teacher till I was in high school. Like I didn't have, not in middle school, elementary school, I don't remember. I feel like I would, I would remember if I did and I don't remember any until high school. Um, but like the good thing for me though, like, is like when I did, it felt like, like it was at like a really good time for me. Cause I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I was like a junior in high school and I played sports my whole life. So kind of like what I, I felt like the only thing I could do was play sports. Like that was kind of like what defined me and what everyone knew me for. And so I wasn't like, I wasn't super like good at school or anything. And she kind of like helped me, um, like realize like how smart I actually was and that like it that wasn't the only thing that mattered and so I think that like was that's what like sticks out the most to me about her and it's kind of funny because we still talk like she she has my Instagram and <laughs> we still talk so
1: oh really what's her name
3: Miss Murray yeah.
1: Miss Murray okay so Miss Murray had an impact on your life Asia, what do you think those statistics mean and and the why behind all of it?
4: Yeah, so I think those statistics are actually very mind blowing because um, I don't really think I've really had a black teacher either. Well, I did have a black teacher in my first grade um, year, but she was like she was she wasn't the best example of what a black teacher could be like in the school, I think. Um, Yeah. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it was still it's still like a mind blowing statistic because even through my through my lifetime, that's the only black teacher that I've ever had. Um, And so that's still good to see. I will say that it still like shocks me sometimes when I do see like, for example, um, I just finished my last semester of college and um, I had this one class and there was always a class right before my class. And sometimes I would walk into that class early by accident. And, you know, the professor was a Black woman and she looked young, probably like in her 20s, probably early 30s. And that was always mind blowing to me because I'm like, I've never even had a Black professor, like, because I went to a PWI. Um, And so... That was pretty cool. And I know one time I like went into class, the classroom early, all of her students had left, but she was still there. And I just was curious because like every time I saw her, I was like, oh, my gosh, like a black professor. And I like asked her, I was like, so what do you teach? And she's like, I think she taught. Um, I think she taught education. She taught for the um, School of Education at UNT. So she's teaching the future teachers, basically. Um, And mm-hmm. it was really cool to talk to her, especially because she was a young Uh, Black woman, but I do think that it definitely can um, Um, impact people in an amazing way, for sure, because, I mean, like like I said, I've never never had really a Black teacher even growing up in high school or middle school or anything like that.
1: Well, I love that it even piques your curiosity. I mean, the fact that here's a young Black woman in the educational field and even that kind of got you excited enough. To say I want to dig a little deeper on this. So that's interesting. And Veronica, you we had already kind of mentioned this that you um didn't have any black teachers growing up as well, which is is, is sad to me to hear you guys say this, but it's also very interesting. But I want to hear your story of uh, Veronica in terms of the statistics. Why do you think that it makes an impact uh of positivity and and B, uh, just
2: your thoughts around it. For sure, but Asia said something and I kind of like want her to say what it is because I think in the plat community, we use acronyms like HBCU, PWI, and I don't think a lot of people know what that means. So Asia, can you- Good call out, yeah. Biased? Yeah, um, so-
4: Yeah, HBCU, Vince, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Asia. Yeah, so a PWI is a predominantly white institution um and then an hbcu is a historically black college or university and those were just like the universities that were established originally for black students just because they couldn't you know join a pwi um but you know the rules have changed a little bit to where anybody can go to an hbcu i don't even really think they restricted um, white people from going to an HBCU back then. I think it was just like an unspoken thing of like the black people are going to go to HBCU, and then you know white people go to like the PWI. Um, but yeah,
1: exactly, perfect. Yeah, thank you for for doing that because we do talk in acronyms and we do just take it for granted. So appreciate it for the audience. But yeah, so Veronica, yeah, kind of share um, your thoughts on that, and then. I have one last question that this time is going so quickly. I love it. But one last question or a couple of last that I want to get to. But your thoughts on those statistics?
2: Yeah, the statistics (laughs) definitely um, it makes sense um, overall, because how Colin um, didn't have um, someone that looked like him and that just, you know, shared that not same culture, um, because it also depends upon like where you live and all these other things. But someone that we can look to and say, "All right, they're doing this. I have these slew of options, you know, that I possibly could do." When you only see your face on like a basketball court or you know at an office, then it's like, "Okay, they're doing this." Then, all right, this is cool. This is what I can do, Um, and it just makes you feel kind of safe. And so, when you don't see teachers, it's just not that you don't belong. But that is that opportunity really for me? Is that opportunity mm, yeah. there for me? Because I haven't seen anyone that looks like me. And I think also an unspoken role, um, about being black is that we always help each other. Um, and it's the fact that when you have a black teacher or you have a black leader, anything like that, it's that they know what I feel like being part of this community and it's that sense that we always wanna see each other excel. Like they know what I feel and they will help me excel. And it's not this unfairness, it's just this, you get me- Knowing this. And Mm -hmm. I'm gonna make sure that you are, and I think black parents say this a lot, you're further along than where I was. We want you to do better than where I was. And I think that's what a black teacher would serve and would hold is that example of, I want you to go this extra mile I'm here today, but go for it. And I think that's why it's a big deal. I didn't have any black teachers. Um, thankfully in high school, they offered AVID. I don't know if they still offer it or not. And so I was able to be with minorities and like go to events. We went to like the opera and like all this other stuff. And it was just super dope because we were oh going God. out and going to the opera and plays um, as minorities and being a group. It was super dope.
1: I, I think you hit on so many great points Sierra, especially the unspoken, um, language among, that can happen. It doesn't always happen, but uh, the unspoken language between the communities. I've kind of walked in your shoes, and I want you to go further. But you know, uh, move, moving on, and I appreciate you guys' input on that. So, moving on really quickly because I've got just. I'll frame this question together since I'm we're on limited time, but. Um, I could go on, but it, it really uh, there's been a study at Harvard that says even though you've been educated and even though you're in high, you're a high achiever. They did a study that uh, amongst young blacks, high achievers, highly educated, that says they still feel marginalized at work. They still feel like they're uh, on the outside or not getting uh, the same treatment. So tell me um, your, your thoughts about this. Uh, first of all, how can those non-marginalized, other races, other ethnic groups that um, may not know this or may not understand that they are marginalizing someone, how can they be allies? How can they prevent this from happening or that feeling of, Hey, I'm just as smart. I'm educated, but I'm only going half as, as far or not as far. So I'll jump right in. I, I'll always start calling because, you know, Colin's standing out here on my right. <laughs> how, how, and, and again, let me frame the question again. There was a study that says, and it was done among high achievers, highly educated blacks who are in the workplace, so this is timely, but quick in one minute or less, tell me how can those uh, in position of leadership prevent that feeling of, hey, I still feel marginalized.
3: Yeah, I think there's a couple of <laughs> things that I could think of right away. Um, but the first major thing I think would be like to kind of encourage open communication. So like making sure people know, like, cause you can't fix that issue if you don't know it's a problem. So, I feel like making everyone feel like they're heard and like that they their opinions and feelings matter. That's super important. I also think like like sh- like tailoring hiring processes and stuff around making having a d- diverse workplace. Because when you don't have a diverse workplace, when everyone looks the same, naturally people are gonna feel more like left out or socially. Just because I feel like that's pretty like a natural feeling. So I would say like those are the two most important things to me, at least.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Thank you for your input. Asia, we'll go to you next. Um, How can we prevent this feeling of being marginalized? while well, those on the outside of, of,
2: of that culture.
4: I think that um, when workplaces are trying to make sure, you know, people aren't left out or that they're not uh, marginalized in the workplace. I think they also have to, put in the effort of educating themselves and kind of recognizing their own biases. um, I feel like a lot of the time it's put on us to educate people. And while, you know, that is, you know, cool, we can educate people. We can tell you what's going on, how we feel. um, But sometimes I feel like that shouldn't be our job all the time is having to tell people what to say, what not to say. Like, I feel like that's something, you know, you know, you know, we've had to step on eggshells when we say certain things. So it's like sometimes I feel like when it comes to that, I feel like um, workplaces just need to, you know, do their research, try to actually, you know, be sympathetic and recognize their own biases. Because I think that a lot of the time, sometimes it's intentional, but sometimes it's unintentional and people don't recognize that bias until they see that some felt some type of way about it. And so there's nothing wrong with True. that, but it's like, you know, try your best to educate yourself and don't get defensive. If, you know, a black person tells you, hey, I don't like the way you said this to me or you treated me like this. Don't get defensive. Just be like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. And, you know, then, you know, correct. the behavior. Take some ownership. Yeah. And correct. Okay. The behavior from the I like that. moving, Yeah.
1: V Dub, uh, Veronica, <laughs> I called you V Dub on. I'm, I'm recording. Jump in there and tell me how how can we help really quickly?
2: Yeah, how we can help? Definitely, Asia is spot on uh, about biases, and you have to learn. Um, and it's build to destroy, right? You have to destroy what you currently are doing to build what is good, and it's not our responsibility. Um, whatsoever to put education onto to others, um, because that's what we've, we've been doing our whole life. We feel like it's necessary to serve someone else, so hopefully they'll treat us as an equal. But um, to what Colin said as well before um, about only being good in football, I'll use this reference, and Colin, you probably know about how Black, there weren't Black quarterbacks because they weren't quote-unquote smart. Um, it was that, um, you know, black people were like fast runners and everything of that sort. And going back to Asia is that when you use the word like aggressive or mad or frustrated when you're speaking about a black woman, it's actually like a microaggression and learning what these microaggressions are um, could definitely help benefit the company as a whole. And then going back to um, Colin just stating that diversity is good, but we also, um, as a workplace, every workplace needs to have diversity, inclusion, and equity, inclusion meaning that we just don't have brown bodies in the chair, that we see ourselves in like points of leadership and management and doing those things so our voices can be heard, Um, that is what. I love that.
1: I I love all the input because we're kind of on one accord. I I love the way that you guys were thinking about not just these questions, but just just uh, our culture uh, as a whole. Um, and we're, we're out of time, actually, if you can believe it or not. And it just seems like we've just touched the surface of what it means to be um, uh, Black in 2023. And believe it or not, uh, you hear this all the time. We've done a lot. We've progressed a lot, but we still have a long way to go. Uh, the, the last question, and I know this is a little over, but I'm going to have to limit this to one, one word from you. <laughs> and I, I don't want to cut you off, but it has to be that. So one resource you would recommend, you talked about educating yourselves and taking ownership and the biases, but one resource you would tell someone, go read this if you wanted to know more about my culture, Black people. Um, so I, I thought about this and um, I, I would say if I had to choose one, that James Baldwin um, spoke in front of Congress uh, about mm-hmm. the diversity. So if, if, if I was to recommend that to anybody, I would look up his speech to Congress. I forgot what year it was, but James Baldwin in Congress. So veto. Two seconds. What would you recommend? X. What resource? X. TV X. or anything?
2: X Malcolm X. Yeah.
1: X Malcolm X. Okay. Asia.
4: I can't. I can't choose one word. <laughs> <I won't. laughs>
1: Asia, you have to. You have
4: um, to, Asia. Um, I, <laughs> one
1: resource. It could be a TV show. Wait, can I, Martin. Can I, a <laughs> I sentence?
4: can I say a right. sentence? I'm gonna say a sentence, okay, and break the rules a little bit. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say read books in general, just from Black authors. Okay,
1: fantastic. Oh, that was not that. Okay, Colin, one resource.
3: I'm a big museum guy, so I would say like look at like museums. And nowadays, you don't even have to go. Like you can just there's virtual tours. You can like literally like go to a museum at home and go through everything. Oh. It's pretty cool. So I love would say that.
1: that. I love it. Well. Thank you. Check out the uh, Harriet Tubman Museum in Macon. So they've replaced me as a live guide. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. I appreciate your input. I think this was so valuable, uh, and hopefully, we'll get an opportunity to really continue the conversation. And I encourage you to continue the conversation with your
2: coworkers yeah. and your friends. And it's just autobiography of Malcolm X, but everybody knows it as the big X on the front. But that's it. <laughs>
1: Thank you. All right. Have a good day, everybody.
2: And that's all,
0: folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you made it this far, I encourage you to schedule a demo of Line Leader so you can see the enroll, engage, and manage products in action and discover how the first ever unified childcare experience platform can make an impact on your business, your time, and your sanity. Schedule a demo by visiting golineleader.com or click the link in the show notes below. And don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe to all it's quacked up to be so you never miss another episode.